What's your story? Whether you're a client or an independent financial advisor, we know you face many important decisions that can affect your and your clients' long-term financial success. Welcome to the WIN Podcast. What's important now with Corey Hymanson, accredited investment fiduciary and president of Hymanson Wealth Advisors. In this podcast, Corey helps you identify your goals and objectives through financial education and comprehensive planning while inspiring you to make better behavioral decisions in your personal finance. With a twist on pop culture and current events, join us as we explore growth and protection strategies for individuals, advisors, and their businesses. Come and discover what's important to you now. Hello, and welcome to the Win Podcast with Corey Hymanson. Corey, how are you? Great. How are you doing, Eric? I am doing fantastic. I think we were uh, talking a little bit earlier. I'm firing up the barbecue grill tonight for the first time all year. So I'm pretty excited about that. The changing of seasons in the Midwest. Ah, that's good <laughs> I, stuff. I hope. <laughs> I just I hope, I hope it sticks around. I'd like to use the barbecue next week. We'll yeah, find there out. There you go. Yeah. All right. We are we're talking inflation today. And uh, I know that that's a, a big word that's, well, it's on a lot of people's mind because mainly the, the media has been talking a lot about it. And I, I really appreciate being able to talk to you about it because you're not getting paid for this stuff. You don't have to pay for advertising and all that junk that, you know, all these, all these media stations are selling us on. This is just straight talk. So how do we begin this conversation today? Yeah, when you talk media, I, I think you always have to frame what they're their objective is or you know they like to sell fear headlines aren't exciting if it's all feel-good stories of yeah. people helping other people and life is wonderful and we'll sing songs and walk around yeah i don't know but i mean so yeah it, it's nice to clarify beneath the headlines sometimes and that's what we hope to do today well yeah i mean here, here's the thing is I, i've told my kids this story is especially as they're growing up i said you just have to be careful because You'll turn on the, the, the television at four o'clock in the afternoon and there'll be, you know, you're watching your show, whatever that is. And all of a sudden they'll have that little advertisement for the, the news that's coming up later in the evening. Right. I mean, everybody sees those and it, it says 10 things in your refrigerator that can kill you tonight at 10 o'clock. You're like, what the, <laughs> so now I can't eat dinner <laughs> because there's 10 things in there that are now stalking me or, you know, they want to kill me. And I don't know what they are. And I have to wait till 10 o'clock to get that news. Like you said, if, if they came on that little, that little commercial break and said, hey, everything's great. We'll talk about it at 10. There's nothing going on. <laughs> Nobody tunes right. in. Right? Slim so, pickings. Slim yeah, pickings. Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. So they know how to do their job. Uh, we just need to know how to avoid the traps. So yeah. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation today because let's start off with this. W what would you say inflation is? What, what, is? what are some examples of inflation and how it works? I think the easiest way to think about this is it affects your purchasing power. So mm -hmm. if you've got a dollar today and in 10 years from now, it's pretty easy to assume that that dollar won't buy you as much stuff in the future because things are going to cost more. Yeah. Inflation is essentially the thought that a dollar won't buy you as much in the future or, or the value of that dollar is declining all the time in, mm -hmm. in comparison to what things cost. Now, I, I understand that gets a little complicated, so sometimes you have to maybe frame it around things that people understand. And, and, and this is a little off the rails, but that's what I like to do, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> so I did a little bit of history homework before today, and I was looking at eggs, like All a right. dozen eggs you buy in a carton at a grocery store. Yeah. And 
And if I look back to, I started in 1930. And so when you look up the price of eggs in 1930, there's no uh, clarifications of organic or cage-free or, you know, whatever these chickens got fed. This is just eggs or eggs. Chicken know? eggs. Got it. Chicken <laughs> eggs. Eggs in a box, carton. And so back then, eggs were 45 cents a dozen. Oh, okay. And and so then sometimes people like to put things in, in today's dollars or perspective, you know. So if you think about inflation through, man, that's over 90 years, I guess, that would be like $7 and a penny today. Mm. So if I frame that a little bit better, let, let, we fast forward a decade. So 1940, you could buy eggs for 33 cents. So, I mean, the price actually went down. Huh. And and we know today it's a couple bucks. But here's the thing I really like to, to frame for people is that the only time inflation really bothers people is when the costs of things are going up. Yeah. Nobody really recognizes or puts a lot of feel-good power into when things actually get cheaper and they're they're beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. you know, everybody knows somebody that likes to complain about the gasoline prices at the pump because they went up a nickel or 10 cents or 20 cents. But if those prices go down, somebody might say it in passing to you, but it doesn't stick, mm-hmm. so to speak. I mean, so people like things to be in their favor all the time. And so I, I think it's good to frame inflation or... I hate to say deflation, but, you know, inflation is not always working against us with everything in our world. No, that's very, very true. I I, I get that. But it also makes us change our decisions because personally, I had a 1976 Ford Thunderbird way back in the day. Uh, It had a 464 barrel. That thing drank, (laughs) (laughs) drank gas so bad. I think I got about six miles to the gallon. And I didn't care because gas was under a buck, you know, and then I had a job that, you know, I'm making enough to, to fill the tank and have fun and, and it's not a big deal. I, I wouldn't be able to drive that car today. <laughs> six, six miles a gallon. No, not, no chance. Right. Uh, right. So it, it does, you know, change the decisions you make. And I know the one thing that you said about today's podcast is this is kind of the good, the bad and the ugly of inflation, because like you said, it's not all bad. Just when it goes up, it's bad. Well, and, and, and sometimes people forget that certain things in the world, inflation is a good thing. So let's say you okay. you have a house, like you buy a house. And for many people, that could or will likely be one of the largest assets they ever Absolutely. own or, or build, so to speak. And the idea that building materials are going to cost more in the future or maybe a new school gets built down the street so your, your location's better – certain things appreciate in value because of inflation and people sometimes forget that or they don't think about that or when they show up for work in january they think hey the boss better give me a raise you know everybody gets an inflation raise well <laughs> inflation is the same thing you complained about on the way to work when when the gasoline went up mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes it's in your favor and and so boy like a lot of things in life moderation uh, can be a good thing yeah whether it's eating or exercise, bad habits, good habits, I don't know, all the above. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. There's one story that, or I should say topic, that seems to come up quite frequently. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here in the Midwest is where my office location is. So frequently when the, when the topic of inflation or even interest rates pops up, I get clients who say, man, I wish I had that CD that I owned back in the 80s at the bank because they were paying me 
16% interest. Hmm. And, and that's when money compounds. When you're making 16%, and, and I can't argue with that. In my head, I know that the economy was running hot. Inflation was running at a high rate. Things were costing more. And the interesting part is the very next client meeting might have somebody come in and say to me, man, I was in farming uh, in the 80s, and it was a horrible time because I was borrowing money at the bank, and I was paying them 18%. Mm. You know, the bankers were, 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 were killing it, and, and people like me were working hard and doing chores and, and struggling to yeah. feed the family. And so there's the real thing about economics that a lot of people forget or don't understand, and that's that essentially there's two sides to everything in our economy. It's so funny that you say that because you just spoke about people that are probably happy if they're homeowners, you know, the price of their house has gone up, inflation, you know, all that, that's on the winning side. But we hear a lot about millennials, specifically younger folks that they can't afford a house because the cost of housing is so high. And so it, there's, again, there's the flip side of that coin. You've got the winner side and you've got the loser side. And, and if you're just positioned and it's just by happen chance, like my, my wife and I, we, we bought the home that we live in in 2012. And so we're in a good position because, you know, we, we've been able to ride this, this rise in the real estate market. That is spot on. And I, I hate, it almost sounds political when I say something like this, but you can see why there's a divide in our country between what some will, will call the wealthy and some will call the working class or, you know, the people that are on the younger end of their working career and maybe making less money because if you're wealthy, you're right. You can take advantage of these waves in the economy that things are, uh, the wind's at your back, so to mm -hmm. speak. Mm -hmm. The problem with a lot of inflation lately, and I do a lot of chart and graph stuff and technical stuff, but quite simply, transportation, housing, food and beverages are really where the inflation is recently. Yeah. And that directly affects everybody. But man, it really affects the person commuting to work or that has young kids at home or or like you say, renting, because we're not just talking inflation in house prices. Rent, you know, is going up too for a lot of people. And so it can be difficult. And I get it. It hurts everybody on the spectrum, or I should say the people on the low and middle side of that spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I've seen people that are renting for more than what my house payment is. And that never used to be because renting was the ideal, at least, I don't know, in my memory, 10, 15 years ago, you could rent a place cheaper than you could you could buy it. And that was something that a lot of people chose to rent because they just weren't ready for that purchase. But now people are having to rent because they don't qualify for those mortgages and they're ending up paying more in rent than, than a regular mortgage, which is just, I would feel that would be very defeating. So, I mean, I know that we don't want to just, just focus on the housing market, but you know, driving people that have to drive for their job, even just a, a short commute turns into something completely different when you have to spend 50 bucks a week in gas instead of, you know, the 25 that you did just a couple of years ago. Everything in the economy gets connected too. That's the next thing. So you're putting more miles on your car. Yeah. Uh, it costs more. Now you can't trade cars because essentially inventory of used cars is, is non-existent mm -hmm. <laughs> because yep. of supply chain issues. We can go on and on and on. And the nice part of, of people that can understand economics is that they can explain this to everybody else because not everybody wants to be a, a math major or an economics major that understands complicated things. So you want somebody in your corner that can talk you through this in layman's terms. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know that there's, I, I don't know how this works, but I know the banks, like you said, back in the eighties, they were offering 
pretty good deals, right? When it, when it came to CDs and things like that. And even when I was a kid, I could make interest on my savings account or my checking account. There were perks. There just don't seem to be those anymore. Or, you know, I, I don't know what the percentage on a savings account is anymore, but I, I, it's almost like the banks have stuck with that through good and bad, just because people are so used to not getting interest. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, this maybe dates me, but I remember when you could open a bank account, like a checking or a savings account, they'd give you like a free toaster or something. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. b- banks don't even give you free stuff anymore. I mean, it's just thanks for depositing your money and we'll make sure you get a statement. And if you need an extra copy of it, we'll charge you $5 to mail you an extra statement copy. That's right. But, and don't take my pen, yeah. right? They, but yeah. <laughs> they chain them down still. <laughs> yeah. It, but it's interesting because I'll make a comment to a, a client or just a friend once in a while. And, and they look at me funny because they hadn't thought of it. And I say, it's not that the bankers are just being greedy. The banks can borrow this money from the Federal Reserve at essentially no cost. So they don't need to pay you or me or the next person much for your deposits because they can get free money to loan out. So they don't have to Mm. um, compete essentially for for bank assets that they can loan out. And and a lot of people don't really understand that whole equation. They just kind of think the bankers are, are being the bad person in the equation. And again, man, everything ties back to capitalism and... I don't blame a banker or a bank institution for trying to make money. Yeah. Because loaning money to consumers also grows our economy. So there we go. We're making round circles here on all these topics. But yeah. uh, it's always not as complicated as people might think if you just follow the money chain. Yeah. And, and with the loans, the loan rates specifically on, you know, I, I know that home ownership is something we've already touched on a lot, but with interest rates and, and, uh, everything being very low, it's, it's much easier and it's a, it's a much better time to get a loan. Do you find that across the board for other loans? Like I know that there's things called signature loans, even used car loans uh, when we can find used cars. Are you seeing that those are in a better position for people as well? It seems like those interest rates are, are gradually getting a little more expensive, even though the, the deposit rates the bank pays you on are not increasing, you know, Mm -hmm. so I kind of see that as a headwind for consumers too. In, in the Midwest here, you know, a lot of what we see is, is, uh, there's, there's large ticket things that get sold and whether that's farm equipment or farmland, those prices are really strong, but the banks are requiring more and more equity. Mm. So they're starting to tighten, tighten things up a little bit there. And that's, Hey, that's business. They understand that if, if prices are, are getting too high, for things, whether that's housing or farmland or brand new cars, a bank or a lender has to protect themselves. And so they want you, the consumer, to have more skin in the game if you're going to try and borrow a lot of money, basically. And so it, it becomes important for people to still go to work, work hard, save some money once in a while for those um, emergency things that pop up or, or those big ticket items that they want to plan ahead for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, and you've talked about emergency funds and things before. So, I mean, obviously that those are just part of the, the overall plan that you take care of as well. And that, that gets me on a story. I get all excited when I think of a story to share with you. <laughs> You're right. We, I, I affectionately call these things rainy day funds for, for clients to just have something, a fallback fund, an emergency fund, whatever you want to call this. And boy, does that get important or helpful when when things like inflation come along or all of a sudden your heating bill is more or, or gasoline, whatever it is. But 
just the other day, I'm looking out the back window in my house, and I've got a couple trees back there, and we've got two squirrels. And I'm starting to sound like an old person when I say, I'm watching squirrels out my back window. <laughs> I'm right there with you. It's not for hours on end, but damn it, they're kind of fun to watch sometimes, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and so where this ties in is these two squirrels are, are stealing walnuts and acorns off a couple of my trees, and they will sprint across the yard, and then they will set the acorn or the walnut down, and they'll dig a hole, and they'll bury this thing, and they'll pat it dry and look around, make sure nobody's watching. They don't know I'm watching, I guess. Yeah. And, and then they're back to the tree. And, and they'll do this all day long. And initially, my wife was getting mad because there's getting all these holes and little spots in the yard. And I said, you know, I'm a financial planner. I can't get too ticked off at these things because they're yeah. doing exactly what everybody should be doing. Make hay when the sun's shining. Go out there. Save a little something for that rainy day, crappy day, that day when you're hungry, whatever you want to call this. Or I don't know why they're burying them. I assume they want them back later. <laughs> but... Isn't that a life story that that's what people should be doing too, is maybe plan ahead a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I love that story. And especially because I heard a fact lately that squirrels forget 80 to 85% of the nuts that they bury. <laughs> and so they're the ones actually creating trees. But again, I think that that's a beautiful illustration of, you know, they're planning something for the future. Sometimes they eat those. They have to get into that nest egg, if you will. They have to eat them, you know, bulk up for winter or whatnot. But then they leave some of them to grow because their children and their grandchildren, grand squirrels, what do you call them? Anyway, they will end up eating nuts off that tree that they planted. I think that's a beautiful picture. A little odd, but a beautiful picture. <laughs> I, I, in my mind, I'm just like fast forwarding like a hundred years. You know, I'll be most likely long gone unless innovation and science really kicks in. Yeah. My whole backyard is going to be like a damn forest full of these trees probably, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if I'm watching them plant 50 of these things a day and they're not digging up 40 of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Jeez. Too. Wow. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, we, we need that because there's, you know, too much deforestation already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk a little bit about kind of the general market, right? I mean, that's a huge broad topic, but interest rates, how are they affecting the market? And what are you, what are you seeing there? Because I think that that's on a lot of people's minds as far as their, their investments go. I really find the bond market to be really, really important. And and a lot of people don't think of that because if you tune into the media or on your handheld device, you know, all the headlines are stock market, stock market, stock market. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, and I've been in this for decades, I've found that the, the smartest, I was going to say investors, but the smartest people that work on Wall Street, let's say, mm -hmm. are on the fixed income or the bond market side of the equation because bond interest rates, market interest rates generally are more of a, of a leading indicator of, of the future of the economy in our country or other countries. If you can sort of read the tea leaves on those things, you can see where things are going. If the, if the country or the economy is growing, if it's shrinking, going about the right pace, I mean, all these things tie together and, and you can, you can learn from interest rates and, and, by the time people listen to this in future years or future decades, they'll wonder what I'm talking about if interest rates are going down at that time. But as I record this, general interest rates are, are, are heading upward. And, and that's not a, a shocker. I mean, that's in the media too, but 
the really interesting thing is the Federal Reserve sets certain interest rates that pertain to banks, essentially. But the bond market itself moves on its own day by day. That's what markets do. And generally, that's moving in one direction before the Federal Reserve ever makes an official announcement of any kind. So with all this being said, Corey, I, I think that what, what's on most people's minds is this. If interest rates are rising, which that's what we see right now, what should we do? What is the best plan of action if interest rates are rising? What can we do to, to help ourselves out in this situation? A couple things come to mind right off the bat. And we talked about one of the largest assets that a lot of people have is their home. Mm -hmm. And that means a lot of people have loans against their home, like a mortgage. And so if that's the case, it's a great time to consider or go talk to your banker and, and just see if you have a good mortgage and mortgage interest rate that's right for you. Or if the rate you're paying is, is higher than uh, market rates today, there's still time to refinance that thing. And, and basically what refinancing is, is just doing some paperwork with a lender to get a new contract of sorts or a new interest rate on your mortgage. And if it's lower than what you're paying today, it saves you money. Mm -hmm. Kind of the second part of that, though, is, you know, if you're thinking about looking at a, at a bigger house or a different house or different location, changes in interest rates directly impact how much you're going to pay for that house over time as you pay the mortgage back. So if you're looking to make a move or upsize, downsize, whatever you want to say, um, there's still time to do that. But you don't want to sit on your hands and uh, just wait. And all of a sudden you're surprised that you missed out on something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that anybody who's thinking about this should really consult a professional. You said go talk to a banker. I, I'm obviously going to be asking you for contact information here in a moment because I think it, anything, any decision that somebody's making should be part of an overall plan, and that's what you do. So as it fits into the plan, I'm assuming that this, these are the things that you're talking to your current clients about, right? Absolutely. And, and we covered that in one of the earlier episodes, too, that when we're gathering information from people, we're here to act as a coach or act as one of your trusted professionals. So we're not just here to invest your money. We're here to make you or educate you, essentially, to make good decisions. So, boy, if there's something you want to talk about, people like me are, are happy to listen and then answer those questions with the best information we got. All right. Corey, thank you so much. So let me ask you, if people are interested in having this conversation, seeing what the best way to uh, take care of investments and, and maybe their, their, their real estate when it comes to interest rates and they want to continue this conversation, why don't you let them know the best way to get a hold of you? Give us a call and anybody on my team can answer those questions for you. We can set a time for a virtual meeting or a follow-up phone call, any of the above. Give us a call, 800-657-4316. All right, Corey, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you, Eric. You bet. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to The Win Podcast with Corey Hymanson. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Corey comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hymanson Wealth Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Win Podcast. What's important now? The show that helps you achieve your financial dreams. 
To ask questions about topics covered during the show or get a copy of Stop Doing Dumb Things With Your Money by Corey Hymanson, visit www.hymansonwealth.com or give us a call at 712-472-3867. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Hymanson Wealth Advisors and Securities America are separate entities.